Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another Adventures in Angular. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and I am here with Richard Sitorle. Now, Richard, you, you've got kind of this interesting background. We're going to dive into that here in a minute. But before we do that, I, I think it's interesting, and I'm just going to throw people out to some of these other resources so they can get to know you a little bit better afterward. One is you actually did an interview with Quincy Larson over at Free Code Camp, and we've had him on javascript jabber a few times uh terrific guy interesting background lots of cool stuff and he highlights a ton of really cool people and so i'm i'm really gratified that you're one of those really cool people but do you want to give us a little bit more about your background what you do for a living just kind of a quick overview of who you are and why you're one of those really cool people all right super thank you so much for having me yeah my background is quite a a journey to where i am now but firstly, let me just, uh, just for context, you might probably pick it up in my accent. Um, I'm originally from Johannesburg, uh, South Africa, sunny SA, as we like to call it, but currently living in Berlin, Germany. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more, than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Yeah, it's currently I'm working as a front-end lead developer for a company called Optimal Systems. We are based here in Berlin. That's where our head office is. I'm part of a team that works on a feature-rich enterprise content management software. We call it an IO web client. But for some of your listeners who are not aware of uh, what ECM is, uh, basically it allows you to store, manage, and archive information in a structured way so you can get access to your company information on the go. We also have a whole lot of other complex features, for instance, uh, process workflows and approvals and that sort of thing. So we basically offer this, our main primary platform is, is the web. Um, however, we also offer it via our apps. Uh, we've got iOS app, Android, as well as desktop as. So yeah, if depending on your requirements, you can use whichever platform. We The reason for, for the desktop app is mainly because we integrate heavily with Microsoft Office via the add-ins. So that, that is something that we offer as well. Yeah, but basically I work on an Angular shop. We offer this cross-platform apps. And coincidentally, that is the title of my article, which is the topic of today. Yeah, I was looking through that and um, in the, the cross-platform <laughs> apps is something I think everybody kind of wants and dreams about. And then they look at it and they want it to be a lot easier and more straightforward. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting too, because it's, it's not necessarily an easy problem to solve. And so we, you know, I, I guess we're not always surprised when it turns out to be a little more complicated than we wish it were. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, you know, if you were talking about, some, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, that would be very true. But if you go through the article, you will see how like almost, I won't say effortless, but it, it was not that difficult to put it together. Right. You just need to know what's out there. And like I always say, you know, you know, use the best tool for the right job. Right. So, you know, just to give you a high level of basically the technologies that are involved in, in this cross-platform application. So the main framework that's the glue of everything else is the Angular framework, something that I personally have chosen as, you know, my, so to speak, uh, lingua franca. That's something that I decided to focus on and hone my skills in. 
Um, and so it was natural that I would, you know, use uh, that framework to, to, to build this app. And then from, from the desktop side of things, we, I, I use the Electron framework, which basically enables developers to create desktop applications using the same technologies that you know, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and so forth. And then to, to be able to deploy to your different mobile platforms, there's, there's, quite, there's a couple of options out there. I personally, as I mentioned, um, I use the, uh, well, we offer a cross-platform application, but we use Cadova um, at work. But for this specific article, I decided to try out something that I've never used before, which is Capacitor. Capacitor. Something that's pretty, pretty cool tech to, to work with. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting you say Capacitor because Capacitor came out of the Ionic project and and you didn't say Ionic, you said Capacitor, so... That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. You're absolutely right. There's there's a whole lot of information with regards to the basically the the way that the guys the the creators of uh, Ionic and, and Capacitor, why they've decided to basically have it as separate modules, but the, the you know if you think of Cordova and its plugin ecosystem. Everything that you do on your on your phone, whether it's using the camera or using all the, basically all the features that the phone has uh, has to offer, Cordova uses the the plugin ecosystem. Um, however, with Capacitor, it, it supports the Cordova plugins, so you're not really limited in that sense, you know. But you know, if you're really much interested in the official differences, I've put a link on on the article there. You can check it out. What the creators of capacitors have outlined as the differences, but it's, it's just a cool tech and it's very easy to, to get started with. Right. So I, I guess my next question is like, how, you know, how, how did you get to this point where you're writing the, this kind of article or this kind of how to, because a lot of people I see, they go and they try and figure this out so that they can you know, they can get a speaking spot at a conference or so that, mm. you know, it's a GWIZ project or something like that. But we were talking before the this episode and you basically said, oh, well, I've been doing this kind of thing for work. And yeah. so <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here going, oh, OK, so <laughs> you're you're writing this about stuff that you're actually doing. Right. So, yeah. so what's your what's your background? Like, what's your story? How did you get into, you know, development and then into Angular and then into, hey, I'm going to write software that is in this mono repo that runs everywhere because I, I think this is kind of this pipe dream for everybody as far as mm. oh yeah you know i, I want to write code that runs on the web and on the desktop and on mobile and on you know whatever other device i can dream up right yeah right <laughs> yeah and that's uh it's actually quite a funny story well i should say bittersweet is more like it so to to start off my story, basically we have to go back to the eleventh grade, <laughs> because that's when I was like formally introduced to computers. So just to give you a bit of context, I I come from a small town in South Africa, up in the north of the country, and as such, you know, the back in those days, like uh, I think it was what uh, late mid late nineties. In terms of resources like technology and that sort of thing, it was not readily available. Just to give you an idea, for the all the, the schools surrounding the, the town that I grew up in, there was only one science center. And that's where every other school, we used to rotate and we'll get a chance to go there, play around with computers, desktop in those days you know, get exposed to this science and, and, and all this cool stuff, you know, that just to get our imaginations, you know, thinking, thinking bigger and so forth. And, and for me, that was really like early, early exposure to, to, to tech, to computers as, as such. I remember the, in high school, like the, in the 11th grade, the, they just introduced computer science as a subject. And I, I naturally opted for it, uh, being the curiosity, uh, curiosity kind of guy. Um, uh-huh. But back in those days, you know, we were not really learning programming or anything like that. It was more like, you know, the basic concepts like what is RAM, what is ROM, CPU, mm-hmm. uh, bits and bytes, you know, that sort of thing. But at the same time, you think about it, I mean, these are the same building blocks that make all this magic happen, right? So that was the, the initial exposure. 
And then I think towards the, the final year of uh, high school, then we did a little bit of programming. If I remember correctly, Delphi was the language of choice. I don't know if you had a chance to play around with that. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. So that was just a little bit of exposure that I had. But, you know, as, as, as they say, a seed was planted right then. Fast forward to university first year. I enrolled for a uh, degree in information systems, but then again, I, I was not really exposed to programming. It was more like a mix of commercial and software engineering theory kind of subjects, but we, we did things like databases, statistics, I don't know if you remember MS Access from <laughs> Microsoft, uh, that sort of thing. But curiosity was still there. I was like, okay, but I really want to get my hands dirty. I want to get into programming. It didn't happen and it wouldn't happen for the next couple of years. And then I think around probably a year or two before finishing my degree, I had a, I had a loss in family. My, my dad passed away. Mm. And yeah, and since he was my sponsor financially um, paying for the fees, um, I was not able to continue and finish my degree. And uh, as a result, I had to drop out. And so that's what I did. But what happened was then I started looking for, for work. I got a job at a telecommunications company as a tech support guy. <laughs> you know, back in those days, we were working with things like BlackBerry, Motorola, mm-hmm. the first web-based Nokias and the first iPhone. Yeah, you know, things like 3G and 4G were non-existent. Um, you were talking GPRS, my friend. <laughs> so, you know, like when you think about it, it's like slow speed. Like you cannot imagine the speeds that were prevalent in, in those days. But, you know, that was that was life. That was it. Right. So, yeah, I basically continued doing that for a couple more years, trying to save up and so forth. But something happened to me. I, I during that whole process or during that time, I learned a lot about myself, about life skills, uh, self-discipline, but, you know, like life happens when it, when it happens, right? You don't really play. Sometimes you, you don't really have control over things. But for me, when the penny drop was probably around six years into this tech support guy uh, job. And coincidentally, the, the plan was to immediately continue studying uh, while working, but life, right? right. Um, so, yeah, but so it gave true. me time to reflect, had that self-reflection and to finally decide on, on the way forward. Yeah, and then th- the way forward for me was that, wait, man, I need to go back and finish what I started. You know, that feeling to go back to school was so instinctible. I, I, I had the urge to, to, to go back. And that's exactly what I did. I enrolled with a distant learning university uh, to continue studying while working, of course. There was no other option. It was the only way to pay for, for the school fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that. It was very, very hard. It was painful at the beginning, but kept pushing myself um, and I persevered. And then something suddenly, something happened. And I was like, whoa, actually, I'm actually enjoying this whole learning process, right? So I started enjoying it. I started getting the feel that sense of accomplishment. It was like, okay, so, okay, we've done that. We've passed that. And it was also showing through my grades and the the way that you're enjoying your studying, you know. About probably a year, a year and a half later, I obtained my first degree in informatics, which I was obviously super proud of, you know. But at that moment, I realized, damn, I, I really, really enjoy the learning process. What more is out there? I asked myself. <laughs> and yeah, being a sucker for punishment, I, I decided, <laughs> <laughs> new view me, I decided to continue and pursue my second degree <laughs> while working, of course. Yeah, and the first thing I realized was like, whoa, damn, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier. You know, I've gone through this process. What's going on? It was was quite the, the, the contrary, was, was more difficult, was harder. Of course, you know, the, the higher you go, the, mm-hmm. the more uh, difficult it becomes. But I, I had learned to learn, you know, I had honed in the skill of learning. I had a formula of how to, you know, face with a challenge, how to deal with it. It was similar. It was, you know, same similar structure and so forth. So I basically 
just applied what worked well during the first degree and adapted to the new demands of the current degree. And doing that over and over again, um, eventually, you know, it, it yield, yielded uh, success. And yeah, I, and then I obtained my second degree past cum laude. So that was fantastic. It was quite a relief. I was very happy. But here's a kicker. During all this time, from the beginning, when I started the first degree, I had two kids in, 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 during that period. Oh, wow. So, yeah, go figure. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I would, if you were to ask me, how, what do I attribute that to? It's, you know, it's, it's very easy to sit here and say, yeah, I did it on my own. I'm great. No, it's, you know, it has to do with, uh, like, uh, the supportive structure that I had at the time, family, friends, um, and also just collaborating with other students, you know. And I remember... I would take extra classes in the evening for those courses that I was, you know, I was not very familiar with. Um, I needed, you know, a little bit of push, so I took extra classes. And mm -hmm. all of that basically yielded uh, good results at the end. Yeah, I Yeah, I that's uh, basically, yeah. I definitely so understand some of that. I mean, I had to take out loans to go to school for for my degree. And mm. when I graduated, I had two kids and I think we were pregnant with our third. Wow. But yeah, I, I mean, I I got my bachelor's degree and I was done. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wasn't right. up for any more punishment. So I admire you for that. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, and you know, I did have a lot of support from my parents. You know, yeah. they didn't pay for any of it, but yeah, it was yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that, that's that's really amazing though just yeah you decided you wanted it and just going and getting it and and i think it goes to show too that if you really want something and you're willing mm. to put in the work and make the sacrifice for it a mm. lot of times people talk about sacrifices the thing you have to give up but mm. really what a sacrifice is is it's you know what you're trading off to get what you want right and and that is so important Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I don't I, I do not think that I would have been able to to get around it without that uh, support structure that I've mentioned. But it also, I think there is another aspect to it. So as I finished my my studies, I get my first real job and I say real job in inverted commas because it was the first job that I got professionally. I think it was titled, I don't know, business process analyst or something like that. But basically working with business stakeholders, doing process engineering and that sort of thing. Um, but it was during this time that I met my first mentor. Um, and the guy was great. Uh, Pramlin is his name. He, he basically helped me just to gain like self-confidence, um, to be career focused, um, and most importantly, to value uh, quality work. You know what I mean? Things that when you're doing, I don't know what to call it, maybe menial kind of jobs, like you just clock in, you know, it's an eight to five mm -hmm. or nine to five, whatever. But when you start working on, on, on serious business problems, then you, you start learning this, this new field, this new way of work. And, and he really helped me with that. And he also guided me to become really an experienced business analyst, skills of which are now invaluable, you know, um, especially when I'm, uh, I'm eliciting uh, requirements for software features or interacting with different lines of business, uh, coaching, mentoring, uh, and that sort of thing. So that was fantastic that for me, even though at the time it didn't look like it was something valuable, when I look back right now, I'm like, whoa, actually that is, that is something that was worth yep. learning, you know? So yeah, that was fantastic. I was, I'm really appreciated, appreciative of having a mentor and I, something that I advocate for even today, um, you know, go out and find a mentor or, you know, just look up if there is someone that you you look up to just try and you know emulate them until you you know you reach that level or you know find other avenues to basically better yourself and and and, and get closer to your goals so that was sort of thinking that i was going on at the time but just to bring it back to software development my my first real exposure to it it was also during 
this time when I was still a business analyst, um, I worked on a web project um, where I did uh, requirements gathering and that sort of thing, typical for, for, for BAs. But I worked very closely with uh, developers. And so I was like, very fascinated because this was something, if you think back what I said in the beginning, that little bit of exposure, exposure in high school to programming, but it was still percolating in, in the back of my mind. It was like, well, how can I get back to that? Because that made me feel something and I want to get back to it. I want to, I want to feel that again. And so when my first opportunity to, to, to work close to people that were actually doing the thing that I wanted to do, I just basically sucked it all up. I was like, whoa, what do you guys do? How does this work? Um, I remember the first time I saw HTML, right? And I was like, what? It all looked so alien to me. It was hard to imagine that humans can actually understand this. And that just made my curiosity grow stronger and stronger. I was like, okay, I definitely need to find out how this works. I mean, people wrote this so someone there must be some formula there must be a way mm -hmm. to understand what's going on and yeah that was the first need for change uh, when i call it that basically pushed me towards uh, that direction yeah and so <laughs> the next natural thing to do at the time was basically to google around find out where i can find learning resources because i think at the time going back to school and doing it full time it, it was not really much of an option with two kids bearing up two kids at the time the demands were the stakes were a little bit higher so to speak but i i did find a um, you know i don't know if you remember those free online courses for, uh, i think there was one from stanford university um, mm -hmm. so yeah i did a little bit of java there but very very basic level stuff but then I was like, okay, wait a minute, there must be other resources. Uh, this stuff is still a little bit above my head. You know, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I started listening to podcasts. And oh, I love podcasts. Oh. <laughs> 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 and, and listen, Chuck, there's this one podcast that I really, really, I attribute most of my success in this journey to it. It's called JavaScript Jabber. I don't know, you might have heard about it. I've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like literally I was listening to it every moment, every free time that I had, when it, whether I was running, I was jogging at the gym, whatever, I was listening to podcasts. Um, it was during those days when Amy Knight was still there, Aaron Frost and, and the rest of the guys. Yeah, and, and a whole lot of other podcasts as well. But that was really the biggest change and the biggest driver for me to to journey. Uh, into this uh, into this industry and if if i remember correctly that was the first time i heard about free code camp um mm. as you mentioned it was uh, my javascript journey uh, what was it called my javascript my javascript story story that's it yeah that's i think it was the first time i heard about free code camp and it, i think it was still in its infancy it was probably what 5 6 years ago yeah um, we talked to quincy pretty early on about yeah it. Yeah, so th that that was basically, you know, like if you think about it, like how things come together and they come together for a reason. For me, I think just pushing myself to exposing myself to to, the, to that environment and listening to podcasts, you know, that brought me or was the first light bulb that came on and says, okay, so there is a way to get into this um, other than going the formal route. But basically, uh, that gave me the overview, like sort of like the lay of the land, so to speak, mm -hmm. of what to learn and, and, and what to learn first, you know. So, yeah, so basically from that point on, I basically immersed myself into the coding lifestyle. I, I did stuff through Udacity, Udemy, YouTube tutorials and a whole lot of other stuff. In fact, I think at some point I... I was awarded a Google Africa scholarship of some sort. Basically, it's just they just pay for you to to study online. Oh, nice. Courses. Yeah. So I did that. Got uh, they call them micro degrees or whatever. But that was also quite an interesting journey. 
into this. But, you know, keep in mind, I'm doing all of this while working full time, um, raising kids at, at home. Mm-hmm. So I was what some people call a nighttime coder because <laughs> I was the only, <laughs> it was really like the only time that I had where I could practice what I, what I, what I was busy learning. Um, yeah. And then eventually I started, you know, it's like, okay, maybe there is a way that I can put all of this knowledge into one place so I can demonstrate it to a potential future employer or whatever. And that's what I did. Just build a simple portfolio website through mainly just doing free code camp challenges as they used to call them back then. And yeah, that was basically the very first major exposure to, to software development. But it was still not my very first job. I still was not a full-time developer. I was still a business analyst. So the transition from business side of, well, the business side to to the dev side happened when I think it was probably I had just gotten a new job as a product manager looking at the data centers, but I was extremely, extremely unhappy because, as I mentioned, the back of my mind, I was thinking about those funny uh, characters on the page, on the web page, and I really wanted to do that. So it didn't last very long. Eventually, I decided to resign and started uh, looking for a dev, a dev job. And that's, that's exactly what I did. I, I was walking around uh, the office park the one day, uh, listening to <laughs> JavaScript Java. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to me because uh, I've, I've, heard, I've heard people talk about this before. And right. I don't know. I mean, I know people out there listen to the shows, right? But you know, I don't ever see or experience people doing it, and right. so yeah. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's just it's funny to me because people talk about it, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know it happens, but it it still feels odd still to me, surreal, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it's it's amazing the stuff that you put out there. You you have no idea. Well, maybe you have an idea of how much of an impact that uh, the stuff that you put out there um, has. I certainly hope so. And I've been told that it has for certain people, but yeah, I I mean, and, and it's, it's definitely gratifying to hear that it's made a difference. Mm. And so, yeah, I I hope it makes a difference and I'm, I'm trying to kind of refocus on that, you know, making that kind of a difference for people. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's that 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 was that was that, and um, so I so I'm just gonna paint a picture of how I actually found my first job because it's quite a funny story. Um, so I I work the the company that I worked for at the time uh, was in an office park. Um, I'm not sure if it's something that's common in in the U.S., but yeah, South Africa we have that sort of thing. Yeah, so the the the. The company that I worked for had it belonged to a group of companies, and there were other sister companies within the office park. The office park was pretty big-ish, maybe just under a kilometer perimeters uh, sort of thing. So what I would mm-hmm. do during my lunch breaks, I would go for walks, uh, listening to tech pod- podcasts. Um, and so this one time, this was just when I was deciding whether I should resign from this product manager job. So I was walking around listening to podcasts, and then. On the other side of the campus, um, or the office park, as, as we called it, I see this name. It's called Bright House. I'm like, oh, what is that? What kind of company is that? Um, I had no idea. And, and it was not the first time seeing it. But for that day, for some reason, that it sort of stuck in my head. And when I went back and I got back to my desk and like, okay, let's have a look. What is this? And Google do a bit, did a bit of Googling. And I was like, whoa, okay, so it's part of our, uh, it's one of our sister companies. Okay, what do they do? Clicked around and I found out that they're actually a, a dev shop. <laughs> Their main focus is outsourcing dev resources to other companies. Uh, so I was like, whoa, that is very interesting. And so I just saw an opportunity. I was like, okay, cool. So we belong to the same group of companies. I remember at the time, the, uh, the company that I was working for, they, we were going through, uh, what do you call it in the US? Retrenchments, basically layoffs, basically. Mm-hmm. But we had an option to apply to other 
other either roles or other companies uh, within the group. And I saw that as an opportunity. I said, okay, cool. Let me hit up. I sent an email to the HR lady of the other company I just discovered and basically gave it the lowdown of my short history, which I've just described to you. I uh, said, I really want to get into software dev. I uh, don't have experience at all, but I've been building these things over, at night for the last uh, two years or so. Uh, can, can I talk to someone? Um, can you help? <laughs> and she said, sure, please come over. Um, invited me over. And I remember I was supposed to meet uh, with the hiring manager. But for some reason, that day when I had my appointment, he wasn't there. Then they had uh, another, I think it was a senior dev. And yeah, basically the interview was between, was just me and him. And the funniest thing happened during that interview. We basically, you know, a typical uh, interview format, you know, person sits on the other side, you sit on the other side and you're trying to sell yourself and sell your skills. But I think what he picked up from my side, I can only assume this, uh, is that he sends some sense of passion and like deep passion for, for what I was doing. And I was very, very passionate about it. I still am. And, and so basically he just threw away his questions that he had for me and we started discussing, I don't remember which technology that was hot at the time, uh, mm-hmm. which just went on of, on a different course. Uh, and needless to say, you know, I, I, I got the job. <laughs> And yeah, so that was basically how I transitioned into into this world. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it, the only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just, you need something like that there. And Raygun is awesome at this. They they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick, and it works like a breeze. I, I just, I love it. I love it. It's like, it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's going to save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let, let's face it grepping through logs is no fun. And having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at adventuresinangular.com slash Raygun. It's funny because it's really not that different from my story, at least my first dev job. So I had been working tech support and then QA. Right. And when I went in for my first interview, um, they knew. So I, I went in and I interviewed with the general manager of the, it was a consultant, consulting firm, just like yours. Right. And I went in and I did the interview. And after I had done the interview with the general manager, uh, and they were real small, right? And they had one Rail, Ruby on Rails developer and they needed another one. And I was one of like two or three people that actually applied for this job. Right. And so I get this, I get put on the phone with their only other Ruby on Rails developer <laughs> who, right, who happened to be, he was a .NET developer and he had just moved over because they needed a Rails person for this contract. Right. And so we start chatting and yeah, he'd ask me a question. And if it was a Rails question, I generally knew the answer. Right. Um, if it was a computer science question, I definitely mostly didn't know the answer. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a I have a computer engineering degree, so right. I knew I knew some of the que- answers, but not all of them. Right. And then he would explain to me the answer. And then I would point out how that concept had been implemented in Rails. Wow. And then he would say <laughs> he would say, yes, exactly. And, and that's how the interview went. And so at the end of the day, I think he told the the general manager, yes, he is sharp enough to hire. He just doesn't have enough experience to know what these concepts are by name. But if, if, right, I can train him because he's seen them before and will recognize them once I explain them to him. So it, it was that the same kind of amazing. thing, though, right? He's, yeah. he's, he's passionate enough to get it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's that was just you showing your willingness to learn and 
you know, that you may not have the tangible experience that they're looking for, but, you know, you, you've got that, <laughs> that urge, that fire uh, underneath you that you, you know, you're yeah. willing to learn this stuff, uh, which, is, which is amazing. And um, that's pretty much what, what happened on, on, for me. And I, I mean, eventually I went on, I was introduced to this company where I was placed at and yeah, like really, I, <laughs> I was eventually, basically, I worked very. I worked very hard. I continued working, doing what I was doing before. Before I got to that point, which is coding at night, learning, and and I needed to do that, right? Because you know mm-hmm. you're working with people that have been in the industry for a while, and you're trying to catch, you playing catch up this whole time. But being the curious uh, person that I am, I was basically just eating it, eating it all up. I was yep. just enjoying it every step of the way. Yep. Yeah. So it's been it's been it's been a very very interesting journey. I think it, I, I spent probably about three years in in that in that job, uh, the first one. But towards the end, I was doing things like uh, mentoring new junior devs that were coming in, worked closely with stakeholders, the backend guys, the DevOps, responsible for production deployments hiring new talents interviewing and that sort of thing but you know it, it, it just goes to show that if you do really apply yourself you, you know you, you will yield results eventually yep absolutely yeah. so we've kind of gone far afield from the cross-platform development so we'll just have you come back and do another episode on that because i want to stay on this kind yeah. of being hungry and the journey and things like that you know and you've you've been writing some tech articles i saw them on the Angular in Depth blog, which is now like in depth.dev, Angular. They changed it. I don't know why yeah. they changed things, but <laughs> right. I do know why they changed that. I think it was a smart move on their part. But Absolutely. they changed things and and it change makes me uncomfortable. So anyway, <laughs> but but yeah, so you wrote this article and I kind of I, I I'm gonna gloss over that too because we can tell the story of that article when we talk about the article. But right. what I really want to talk about is that it seems like, and this is something that I run into as I talk to people that are a little further down the road, right? Mm. Is you are, so we, we talked about you being hungry and staying excited and, and all this stuff early on. And a lot of people experience that, right? They get in and they're loving this and it's, I'm learning all this stuff and I'm experimenting with all this stuff and I'm coding at night because I just can't get enough of it. And then they become <laughs> a mid-level and it's like, well, I just got to get, I got to be a senior, right? And so they're doing the same thing, right? They're, right. they're coding at night and they're, they're, you know, they're leveling up and they're, they're, you know, maybe they're diving a little bit more into coding practices and agile and testing and all this stuff. So they could be a senior, right? And then yeah. they get to senior and then it's, I don't know what to learn. And I don't know what to do. And, and I, re, you know, se- yeah. senior was kind of it. And, and it seems like you've kind of cracked that a little bit, right? Because you're writing articles and you're participating in the community and you're doing all these interesting things and you're moving ahead in, the, in your career, right? And mm. I've started coaching people on this stuff with the Dev Influencers Accelerator that I've put together. But I'm yes. curious how you've done this, right? What are you doing to kind of keep this ability to explore and stay hungry and, you know, stay excited about development and not get stuck at senior developer? What What are you doing there? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic, fantastic question. Um, and a big ups on that accelerator program. Um, I listened to the podcast the other day and I think it's, it's a great opportunity. I think if there is anyone out there who wants to learn more about it, you should check out your stuff. I think it's, it will definitely help a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, to 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 come to you to to your question, I, I've always had this this motto. I don't know whether it developed over time or if it has always been there, but it, it's simple, and you've heard it before, I'm sure. Uh, and and it's that start with the end in mind, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's simple enough, but for me that I. I I took that motto or I take that motto to the extreme sometimes. Like, for example, I would open up an article and I would go <laughs> to towards the end. I'll go to the end and I will read backwards. <laughs> I don't know why. My mind just sometimes does some crazy things. But so I, I start with the end in mind. So before I went into this journey, I, I tried and imagine what, how how do you know if you have achieved something? How do you assess yourself how do you know that you have arrived in inverted commas and if you ask your that yourself that question often enough um, you will start getting this picture it will start 
you'll start developing this picture of what it looks like where the, the, the end goal is. If there is such a, an end goal, uh, doesn't, we know that it doesn't exist in software development, but at least it will give you an idea of what's out there, where you're heading to. Um, and so for me, it's always been like, okay, what is it that I aspire towards? And so because of that, I, I started getting myself involved with a, with the community. Uh, Free Code Camp was extremely instrumental in my, in my journey. I remember back, back in those days, uh, Quincy, uh, we had this thing called meetup groups, uh, Free Code Camp meetup groups. I was one of the co-organizers of the Free Code Camp meetup uh, in Johannesburg. And I remember <laughs> at, the, like at the beginning of the meetup, at times there would just be me and, and another person. And I would wake up every Saturday morning very early, take a shower, have breakfast, grab my whiteboard and markers because, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to learn some new stuff. And I would head off to a coffee shop. We used to meet up at a coffee shop and I would wait and wait <laughs> and wait. And, you know, one person would show up. Sometimes more people would show up. But that, that in itself, you know, it, it just validated something inside me. Like, you know, for me to drive myself and to, to believe in, in, in a course this much, it must mean something. It, 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 it excites me. It makes me feel good. And so that, that drives you, you know. But just to bring it a little bit back to, to, to writing and, and developing as, a, as an individual in this highly technical field that we, we're in. So the idea of the article, so it was something that was percolating for many years. It was just in my head. It was just an idea. Okay, I need to get into that. But I was thinking, hmm, you know, I, I thought everything that could be written is already written, right? Which is like a common misconception <laughs> because not <laughs> everyone, <laughs> I know, right? It's like, yeah, no, I'm, I, you know, I would write something, but, you know, there's nothing to write. It's already out there. And if you do follow like a lot of blogs and I mean, I subscribe to, to a handful, I, I read a lot of technical articles on a daily basis. Mm -hmm that you might start to believe that you might think oh you know what like i was thinking of that article or that topic and then you see that article and then you see it again and then you see it again but if you go through each and every one of those you will see that they're not exactly the same the quality the quantity is often not equal so as you you might learn one thing from this one article about, I don't know, RxJx, for, for example, uh, and mm -hmm. someone writes same, similar topic, but, you know, you learn something slightly different. For me, it's all about filling in the gaps of knowledge. Like you learn something, you learn it long enough to understand it and be competent in it, and you can do it as your day job, for example. However, there is almost often like there's always pockets of information that's missing to, to complete or to make you more solid developer or to understand that topic you know in a more in a, in a more complete way and that's what i think it's all about it's it's that constant learning it's all about just you know continually filling in those gaps of, of knowledge yeah i agree and it's interesting too because at least for me one thing that i have learned is that in a lot of cases like i have to see something more than once and in more mm. than one way in order to learn it so I'll see an example of lately at work, we've been doing a lot more React. I know right. it's an Angular podcast, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, we've been doing a lot more React. And so, and my expertise uh, is much more in the Rails camp than in anything else, right? right. And so, I, you know, they hired me to do Rails. So, you know, we're doing Rails. And then, yeah, I'm picking up uh, much more of the React stuff lately, right? And so mm -hmm. I'm trying to pick up all this stuff and figure out how it all works. And... You know, so I see React hooks, right? right? And so I'm going, okay, React hooks, right? And I kind of get it, right? And so then I go and I read another article on React hooks. And it says basically <laughs> the same thing, right? <laughs> right. But, but Chuck's a little slow, okay? Right. Sometimes Chuck <laughs> is a little slow. And Chuck needs to see it another way, right? Right. And so the fact that somebody else didn't go, oh, somebody's already written an article about React hooks and the right. React team's already written documentation about React hooks. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you wrote 
your article about React Hooks because I've seen it now four or five different ways. Right. And now I'm starting to get it. Now I'm starting to get it and go, oh, okay. <laughs> React Hooks are this way, right? Yeah. You know, or the same thing with, you know, some new concept they put into Angular 11, right? And it's just... Mm. Okay, you know, because I'm I'm diving back into Angular so that we can cover things intelligently on this podcast, right? Right. So, you know, I'm, I read through the documentation. I'm like, okay, I need to know a little bit more about this. Like, I'm trying to get my head around some of the server-side rendering stuff, yes. you know. And right. so, and, and you know, I'm still banging my head against that a little bit, right? And so I like that there's more stuff out there. And so, you know, it's like, it's like, please write the 11th article about this thing. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, I, I definitely love that that's out there. And, and yeah, that you get that motivation and that you're still out there, you know, doing this kind of stuff and using that to motivate yourself and be involved in the community. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's so unfortunate that, you know, we're living in this age where COVID and, you know, it's everything is pretty much on lockdown. And incidentally, that's when I actually moved to Berlin. Um, mm -hmm. It was last year, March, uh, beginning of March, I started, I think. So, but like the thing that I was so much looking forward to was exactly that, just to go into these meetups and, you know, chat to folks, get involved in the community mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, touch wood, hopefully, you know, that will open up again soon. But I mean, in the meantime, right, <laughs> in the meantime, yeah. while we're waiting. Yeah, for me, like, I think writing for me was just that one thing that I, I just wanted to push myself towards to, to actually do it. And I remember the way how this article came together was um, I actually wrote it in December last year during the December holidays. It was, I don't know, maybe a period of a week or two weeks. <laughs> you know, do, do not look at the word count. It, 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 is, it is a lengthy uh, article, but <laughs> <laughs> there the, the were very key things that I needed to, 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 to first learn myself as well as accomplish. First of all, how, you know, how you can ask, like, how did you come up with the topic for the article? It was very difficult. Um, as, as you know, uh, Chuck, it's naming things is one of the hardest things, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. So it, for me, like it, it started with like five topics. I had like five. Okay, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to just write down everything that's in my head right now, put it down and then read it over and just reduce it until you come up with something. So it went from five topics to three and then one. <laughs> and then it and then it hit me. I was like, you know what? What about just write some write about something that you already know, something that you're already using. What about that? Yep. And I was like, okay, cool. So what do I know? <laughs> Not much, but you know, if I think about it, maybe I can come up with something. And so it was very natural that you know this article would be about something that I do on a daily basis or work on on a daily basis. But yeah, it was also very important that the the title just captures the essence or, or the gist of uh, of the content, the content of the article. So um, I, I, I hope that it, that's, that's what people get when, we, when, when they go through the article. The second part was basically the structure of it all. Um, I wanted to ensure that it's, you know, it's cohesive, it's easy to read. You know, I wanted it to be easy for people without very strong technical knowledge to, to consume it. And if you go through it, you will see that the, the example application that you uh, you build and deploy to this all plat or to these platforms. Uh, it's a simple uh, Tetris game, so it's yeah. It was pretty interesting. Like I remember when I sent the first draft around uh, to my colleagues to get some feedback, and one colleague of mine says, "Oh, Richard, it was it's it's so great. Have you ever thought of of you know writing some more article?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I'm I'm working on it, but like, you know, what's your feedback? What do you think?" It's like, "Oh." Flip, I got stuck. I was playing Tetris the whole time. I forgot to review the article. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, come on, really? <laughs> so, yeah, but th that was sort of like what I was hoping for, that, it, you know, make it fun. It's, it's a highly uh, technical topic um, and it involves a lot of technologies. So I, I needed to keep it simple, you know, have a storytelling kind of theme, and throw in a few anecdotes um, and mistakes that I made along the way, right? So, yeah. yeah, I hope that's something that people will pick up as well when they're going through it. 
Yep, absolutely. So we'll cover that on a future uh, episode to be sure. But yeah, I love that. Just talking about something that you know, something you already do. And it's sometimes it's harder than you think to come up with those, right? Because it's something you take for granted. Oh, obviously, everybody knows that. Or you just don't even think about it because it's something that feels simple, right? Mm. And so, yeah, you you kind of have to step back and go, oh, yeah, people will want to know that and know how to do it. Absolutely. But, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, I'm pretty much running out of time. So we, we need to start heading into picks. But this has been really terrific conversation. And hopefully we've inspired some people who are thinking about, okay, you know, what do I do next? Or, you know, maybe this is too hard for me to just take the next step and, you know, and do the work, you know, get involved, Absolutely. get involved in the community, take, you know, take those steps, get it done and, you know, move ahead. And, and I mean that both for the seniors who are feeling stuck and for the juniors who are going, I don't even, you know, I don't even know what's next for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I really like that. Um, yeah, I think the, for, for me, I think the, the the one thing is just to keep, keep in mind, like just to stay, to help you, to help yourself uh, stay productive, you know, um, just firstly, just surround yourself with like-minded people. It really, really helps you to, to keep you motivated and, and productive. And yeah, reading articles, read tech articles, read a lot of tech articles. <laughs> um, I, what I like about that is it gives you ideas and provides knowledge on how to accomplish tasks in your current work. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's one of the goals I was hoping to to achieve with this article. Yep. Awesome. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or If you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Now, you've listened to JavaScript Jabber, so you know what picks are. Usually, I have to explain it to people. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and start out with the picks, and then I'll let you do some picks. My first pick, I'm just going to throw it out there because people who are listening to this may not be aware. And I did mention it. It is the Dev Influencers Accelerator. Now mm. I've renamed it twice, but this one's going <laughs> to stick because I actually bought the domain. So devinfluencers.com. There you uh, go. There you go. Devinfluencers.com. I'm teaching people how to become dev influencers. Uh, take your career from senior to the next level. We're doing that through podcasting. So I'll teach you how to start a podcast and then how to build into doing courses, uh, speaking, you know, starting your own SaaS, I mean, whatever it is, this is kind of the way to build an audience that will help you build into that next stage. It also, interestingly enough, is a terrific way to continue your learning journey because uh, Richard talked early on about finding a mentor. And this is a way of finding those mentors and then inviting them to come talk to you. You just wind up recording it and then publishing it. And so it's it's been a terrific way for me to learn over the last several years. So anyway, I'm going to pick that. And then a few other picks that I'm going to throw out there. One of them is this tool that I found that I'm kind of moving a lot of my projects over to. It's called ClickUp. And it's uh, we were using Notion before. And Notion had a couple of major gaps in its capabilities. I think the main one that just drove me crazy was that you couldn't automate anything in it. And the other problem was, is that it didn't have an API. So I couldn't even Mm. program against it to automate Mm. stuff in it. ClickUp has both of those things. And it has a lot of the features that Notion did. But the other thing is, is it's really formatted as a to-do app. But it has a lot of the views that you can get on the to-do list. So you can view it as a calendar. You can view it as a kind of a Kanban board, Trello board. You can view it as list of tasks. You could anyway, so it works out really well. And it has a lot of the automation features built in and it and it integrates with Zapier. So if I want to, because I don't really I enjoy writing the code, but mm-hmm. if I can throw Zapier at it, that's a lot faster. And then I can move on <laughs> to writing code for the stuff I have to code. Right. So I'm I'm working on moving the uh, podcast workflows over to it and a lot of other things like that. And I'm really, really digging it. So I'm going to pick cool. ClickUp and I think it's ClickUp.com. I'll put a link in because I think I have a referral link and then they'll like me more because I sent you all over <laughs> to it. Right. 
but I'm really digging that. And then I've been using Teachable to host the videos for the accelerator. And I, it's funny because I tried Teachable before and I didn't like it, <laughs> but I'm really, really liking it. Uh, the only part of Teachable I don't like is their shopping cart, like where you uh-huh. sign up for the courses and pay for them. Uh-huh. That part is terrible. So, you know, I get to pick and choose, but I do like Teachable for their ability to host the courses and organize the courses. And so as a platform, it's terrific. So I guess I ought to tell you how you, what I'm using for you to buy the courses. So I'm using Thrivecart for that. That's right. thrivecart.com. And so if you pay for Thrivecart, it it actually just integrates directly with Teachable. And so then you get an invite to Teachable and then you get into Teachable and you get access to the videos. So eventually what this is going to look like is you're going to sign up. Well, it kind of looks that way now. It's just that you don't have a full set of videos for the full course for the accelerator, right? Right. Um, but the accelerator is a weekly call plus basically text message access to me during the week as I help you through it. And I just coach you along the way to, uh, to putting the podcast together. But as I've been coaching people along, I've been recording videos on how to do the podcast stuff. Eventually, it'll turn into a course that you can actually just buy the course. Mm. But I'm finding that people do need some level of coaching or some mm. some people need some level of coaching. And so, yeah, if you want the coaching, the accelerator, right? Uh, the other part of the accelerator, though, is that I've been introducing people to relevant podcast guests that we've had on JavaScript Jabber and the like, right? right. And so, <laughs> you know, you get access to me and my network through me, right? If I think they're a good guest and you'll do a good job with them. So uh, I guess that's the other piece of it. But that's been working out really, really well. So been really, really happy with those tools. So Thrivecart, Teachable, Zapier. Anyway, it's been terrific. So those are my picks. Richard, do you have oh. some things you want to shout out about? Yes, I do. The first one is a is a book. It's called 10-Minute Animal Stories by Osborne Publishers, I think it's called. It's basically, as, as the title suggests, 10-Minute uh, Stories. Uh, it's it's suitable for people between the age of four and ten. <laughs> so I read this to to my two little ones uh, every night, and they love it. Um, I actually just ordered two more books uh, yesterday because we finished the first one. So yeah, that that's that will be my first pick. The second one would be uh, OneNote from Microsoft. I've I've used this for years for many many years and i was when i was preparing for this i was going through some of the notes that i created from i don't know this one is from 2014 or something like that and it's still proves it's it's very simple and still proves itself to be very useful Um, so i would recommend that as one of your productivity tools Uh, i'm sure they're equally productive uh, or other options out there but that's has worked pretty well for me and i would also just yeah pick reading tech articles do that and do a lot of it you will learn a lot um lastly but not least do not procrastinate old but true nice yeah the the 10 minute animal stories that reminds me of i think it's on disney plus but Mm. my my uh five-year-old she likes watching the unlikely animal friends. It's ah. it's part of the National Geographic stuff because Disney right. owns them now. And so she'll watch the animals run around on the screen. And right. she thinks those, those are just terrific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're so impressionable at that age, eh? So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's so fantastic. it's like a goat and a dog or a deer and a right. something else. It's pretty funny. That is amazing. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. And I think I would definitely, I almost forgot this last two, which is something that has also been a very, very strong part in, in my life, especially since I moved to Berlin, which is just exercise. <laughs> I am so into running oh, yeah. and yoga at the moment. I, yeah, I'm like super crazy about it uh, and cycling too. But yeah, with all of that, after reading all the tech articles, after exercising, um, just make sure you get enough sleep. <laughs> that mm-hmm. you'll be okay yeah yeah i hear you i never did get into yoga but i love running 
<laughs> really? I'm actually yeah, I'm yeah. training for my second marathon now. So that is awesome. Ah, oh, maybe I'll hit you up next time I'm in Utah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you yeah. come out in June, you can go run it with me. So that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, it was good to meet you and, and chat with you, Richard. Pleasure is all mine. And likewise, I've um, I've been a big fan, as I mentioned, JS Jebba, uh, Adventures in Angular. It's it's great. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. And thank you for putting the time and effort to to this. And thanks well, for thank having you. Me. <laughs> yeah. All awesome. right, folks. We'll we'll wrap up here. And until next time, Max out. Peace. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.